were listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. As we prepare for reading the scripture today, it can be found in John 13, verses 34 and 35. Please stand and follow along as I read. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. He is risen. We can say that more than once a year, right? So my name is Daniel, and I'm a member here, and I'm the guy who preaches after the Avengers movies comes out. (laughs) Because last year I preached after Infinity War. I haven't seen Endgame yet, so I'm not going to ruin it for you. But I'm excited to, to preach this morning. I'm excited to share Christ's love with you as we sit under God's word. And we need God's help today. The only way that we can understand his love is if he sends his spirit and makes us to know it and understand it. So would you please pray with me? Father in heaven, we are desperate for you. And we want to know you and your love for us. And I pray that you would send your spirit and grant each of us illumination to see and to know and experience the heights and depths and length and breadth of your love for us. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, would you even give us tears of gratefulness for you? Be glorified today, O oh God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you heard the passage, John 13, 34, and 35, and I want to give you a little context. This is actually a little bit of a different type of context. It's not the context of the passage yet, but why am I preaching from this passage today? The pastors asked me to, to share, to, to give Justin a break. It's, a, it's hard work to get up here and do this, much harder than it looks. Justin makes it look easy. But they said you could pick any passage you want, and that's going to be dangerous. (laughs) But they trust the Lord. They trust that the Lord is working in me. And so I I thought, I'm preaching after Easter. What shows resurrection power more than love for your enemies? And I started preparing a sermon from Luke 6.35, where Jesus says, but love your enemies. And do good and lend, nothing, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And I thought, I thought this was our passage, and I started preparing a sermon, and I think it would have been an encouraging sermon, but maybe I'll preach it someday if, if they invite me back. 
But I think the Lord just put on my heart that what he wants for us today, and maybe, maybe this is something that you haven't thought about recently or thought about too much often, but how do you love your Christian brother and your sister? And sometimes that could be even harder than loving your enemies. You don't see your enemies every day. But to see your Christian brother and sister maybe every day and then to share Christ's love with them can sometimes be be very difficult. And so as a Christian, your key mark as a follower of Christ, one of the key marks of a disciple is love for Jesus. And I think sometimes we can think that we show our love for Jesus by loving each other. And that's true. That is a true thing. You can show your love for Jesus by the way that you love each other. But today, I really want us to focus on experiencing and knowing the love of Jesus for ourselves. That you would not leave this sermon thinking, I have to do all these things. I have to love my Christian brother and sister. But that you would just know and experience in the depths of your heart the love that Jesus has for you. And out of that, yes, we'll get to loving each other. But we want to show that Christ has loved us first. And then as we know that, we're going to love each other. It's going to flow out of it. So my, my application is that we love each other. But we're going to get there by knowing and seeing and experiencing the love of Jesus. And part of what I, w- I had on my heart this morning... so. I, the second half of my sermon, the Lord this morning just had a sense that we just not, are not going to preach it. But in, in that half of the sermon, I had a sense that there's people here that are burdened by loving others. You have a lot of opportunity, maybe a million opportunities to love people, and you feel burdened by that. And so I want you to, to rest easy today, and you're not going to leave this room thinking, I have to love all these people. I want you mainly thinking, I have been deeply loved by Jesus. So before I even really get going, and I'm going to get going, I want you to hear what Jesus says to you. And we sang it, our last song, but I, I just, just take a deep breath with me and listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we're, we're going to get to a place where we're going to love each other. We're going to do that. In the first century, 100 years after the Apostle John wrote his letter, there was another Christian author, he's not inspired, but he wrote that the, the non-Christians of his day saw the love of Christians and exclaimed, see how they love each other, how they are willing even to die for one another. So that's, that's the, the end game. No, well, maybe. Um, 
But we, I'm, I'm saying it over and over because I, I want us to know that we need to see Christ's love first for us. I think it's easy for Christians, like I said before, to think we're going to show everyone that we love Jesus how, by how we love each other. But, but we're not there yet. We need to sit and we need to take it easy. And we need to see that Jesus has loved us first. And so in my, in my passage today, it's really just this phrase that we're focusing on. That Jesus says that you love one another. In John 13, 34. Just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. And I want us to sit under God's word today. And learn to savor the love of Christ. I can eat really fast. I don't mean faster than most people. I mean faster than all people. I mean, I challenge you to some sort of competition and I'll, I'll finish my food before you do. There have been times at restaurants where the waiter has come back to check on the meal and there's nothing on my plate and they say, oh, I'm sorry, did you get your food yet? No, I didn't. I, I didn't get it. And I, I then have told them, yes, I'm a fast eater. But my point is that we don't often do a good job enjoying the food that's set in front of us. And I think I at least can, can treat the love of Christ the same way. I can take it in as a necessity, and I can consume it quickly, and then I move on to try to figure out what I do because of that. And that's not what Jesus wants us to hear today. He wants us to learn how to fully enjoy his love. He doesn't want us to think about doing anything until we see what has been done for us. And even all of our doing only comes out of what he has done for us. Jesus loves me. This I know. We all know that, right? We've, we've sang the song, we've heard it over and over in our Christian lives that Jesus loves us. But do you really know that he loves you? Do you really understand the amazing grace that this is? Do you believe it with every fiber of your being every second of the day? If you do, please let me know. I'd love to get coffee with you and learn from you. But I think most of us, that's not our experience. We don't walk around amazed by the love of Christ. We have these high moments where we can feel it and sense it, but most of the time we're not savoring it. As Jesus is sitting with his disciples in John 13, the context for this passage is they are laying around the dinner table. Most of us, I haven't eaten like this, most of us have never had a dinner like this in this intimate, unhurried fashion. Sitting around the table is what we're used to. These guys were laying around the dinner table. They weren't trying to get to the next event. They were sitting there and they were savoring that meal. And this is how Jesus wants us to view his love for us. And Jesus is supposed to be in the place of honor. He's the leader. He's the master. At this dinner, he's supposed to be the one that is being served. But if you look back at John 13, verse 
3, it says that Jesus rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Does this passage sound familiar to you? Does it make you think of any other passage in the Bible that you've heard? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Philippians 2. John 13, he laid aside his outer garments. Philippians 2, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. This is the just as I have loved you part that Jesus is referring to when he says, just as I have loved you. He's talking about this visible, practical example that would display not just a nice action. These disciples had some stinky feet. They were dirty and he's washing them. But this is a humble love. This should make it clear to everyone watching that this love is not like other loves. You see, Jesus has all power, and yet he serves. He was the creator of the universe, and yet he made himself nothing. If you look up at verse 31... It says that Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now this Son of Man title is a reference to his great power. And the disciples would probably have been familiar with the Old Testament book of Daniel. And in chapter 7, listen what it says about the Son of Man in Daniel 7. And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Did you hear this? Did you hear that the Son of Man is the one with everlasting dominion? This means he is the one with complete control over all things. This is the one who holds all things together. This is the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. There is no rival. There is no equal. There is no one who compares to him. And this one, this one is the one who is stooping down to wash the feet of his disciples. People with power don't serve those with less power. The more power you have, the more people you have serving you. What is happening in John 13 should be way more shocking than it is. We're kind of like, oh, look at that. That's nice. Look what Jesus is doing. Their feet are dirty and he's cleaning them up. That's so nice. But we quickly forget 
who Jesus is. Have we forgotten this is the one who raised the dead and healed the sick and stopped the wind and stilled the waves? This is the one who referred to himself as I am. And when he said that, people fell backwards and were terrified. This is not just a man. This is God. He's not just a nice man. Jesus is God. God should not be washing people's feet, right? Understanding and seeing Jesus for who he is is part of understanding the amazing nature of his love and the otherworldly service that he is performing for his disciples. If you just see him as a nice man, it's not that big of a deal. But no king ever served his people like this. I read in a commentary that there is no instance, not one instance, in either Jewish or Greco-Roman sources of a superior washing the feet of an inferior. Nobody does this. No superior does this. Kings don't do this. But Jesus is more than a king. He is God. Listen, the president, no matter who's the president, doesn't come to your house and clean your bathroom. You try to get anybody else to do that job. Thank you, Naomi. (laughs) But the president's not showing up at your house to clean your bathroom. The prime minister is not asking for your shoes that have dog poop caked all over them. He's not scraping that off for you. The general is not on his hands and knees wiping up barf and blood. That's not happening. The CEO of any company, no matter how small, is not cleaning out the bottom of a trash can. Nobody does that even. You just let it sit there until there's bugs. The action that Jesus is taking of washing his disciples' feet is something of otherworldly love. It doesn't compute to the disciples. Initially, Jesus says to them, this is how I'm going to love you. And Peter responds, no, 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 you will never wash my feet. But Jesus knows what he's doing. And he knows the example that he's setting. And even more than that, he knows that this isn't the end of it. You see, Jesus' life and mission was to serve. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sometimes, like I said before, I don't think we really understand this as fully as we can because we kind of believe in our hearts that we should be loved. Yeah. Yeah, we are nice. We are not that bad. At worst, there's other people that are Worse than us. So yeah, it makes sense. Jesus loves me. Yeah, I get it. It's good. But when I start thinking like that, it reveals and shows that I'm not seeing my sin for how serious it really is. I'm not really seeing the desperate condition that I was in. I'm not seeing who Jesus is as God. 
I think sometimes we can think of Jesus' love for us like our weekly paycheck or biweekly or monthly, whatever your company has given to you. It's nice to get it, but when you get it, you're thankful, but you don't become amazed by it because you've kind of done some stuff to get it. If it wasn't there, if the paycheck didn't hit your account, there'd be problems. But the love of Jesus is more like this. You have robbed from a $100 billion company, and then you've murdered the CEO, and instead of the death penalty, you've been given 100% ownership of that company, and you've been given the title of CEO (laughs) instead of the death penalty. You see, this is a love that Jesus has for us that we don't deserve. I believe that we're going to understand this love of Jesus more when we see him for who he is, the one with everlasting dominion, and when we see who we are apart from him or without him. You see, sin is not just doing a bad thing. Sin is forsaking eternal delight in God for two seconds of self-determined pleasure. Sin is saying that you know how to best live your life. Sin is saying, God, I'm good. I don't need you. Sin is not loving him with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength. Who can do this? Not one of us. We were all in a very desperate condition before Jesus came to rescue us. So let me just take a moment to remind you of where you were, what your life was like or is like without God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You, we have lived in the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires of our body and our mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. Now, don't let that roll by so quickly. I know wrath is not a popular topic. I know that we want to get to the love of Jesus. But because of your desire to live your life according to your will, your sins have put you in the path of the wrath of a holy God. He is holy, 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 and he must punish sin and you are a sinner so he must pour out his intense hatred for sin and punishment on you and you deserve it i deserve everything that was coming to me apart from christ this is not a joke or a nightmare or an exaggeration This is bad news. Our sins have earned us an eternity. An eternity away from the loving presence of God. But God, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. This is love, that he would lay down his life for our eternal good so that we could be with him and know him and enjoy him forever. This is what needs to be in our minds when we think about his love. That the infinite one, the one who deserves the highest praise, the highest place of honor, would go low and make himself nothing. That he would wash the feet of those who would betray him and even more die on the cross for those who were his enemies so that they could experience everlasting good through a relationship with God forever. He loves you. He loves you, Sojourn. He loves us. He took our sins upon himself and he gave us his perfect record before God. He was beaten and bruised and bloodied in our place. He paid the debt that we owed. His blood was the ransom for our life. He exhausted the wrath of God that we deserve. He removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. This is good news. He has forgiven us and done all this to give us ever-increasing joy in the presence of God forever. We do not and will not ever know the complete height and depth and length and breadth of the love of Christ. But oh, what is in store for us when we see him face to face. He loves us in our weakest. He loves us when we can give him nothing. He loves us when we have failed him. He loves us when we forget him. He loves us when we choose other things beside him. His love never fails. His love never gives up. His love never runs out on us. Sojourn. Just as I have loved you, Jesus says, you also are to love one another. You can't just keep reading things or hearing sermons about the love of Christ for it to change your heart. You can't just keep coming to church and being here for your life to be changed by the love of Christ. What you need, what I need, what we need is for God himself by the power of his spirit, to open our eyes and make us to see and know this love for us. There is no other way to know the love of Christ apart from him breaking into our lives and making us to know it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a minute, a couple minutes to sit and to silently, individually pray that God himself would make you to know and experience the love that he has for you. Cry out to him. If you need to get on your knees, go there and pray to him. So you have a couple minutes If you've never experienced the love of Christ, there's always today. So sit in your seat.
and pray that he would stir your heart like he has never before. Sojourn. One way that we can love each other every day is by praying for each other. So what I want you to do now is to, to, and this maybe is a little messy, but I want you to break up into however many size group you want to, three, four, five. I'm not going to be the number police. But I want us to sit in small groups and pray over each other that we as a church would know the love of Christ for us. Now, this is a pressure-free time for anybody who does not want to pray or doesn't feel like praying. I would love for you just to sit there and listen to your brothers and sisters pray over you. And if you don't count yourself a follower of Christ, we're so glad that you're here and that you could hear about this love today. But sit and listen to these followers pray to their Savior And if you sense in your heart and feel and have seen that you need and want to experience this love, then cry out to Jesus to save you from your sins so that you can be with him forever. So Sojourn, I would love for us to spend the next five minutes, let's pray over each other that God would make us to know his love for us. You can do that now. Father, we give you thanks that we can gather together this morning. And what a gift to us. What a a display of your love for us. That God, even as you save us and bring us into relationship with you, that I guess you could have just left us to ourselves, but you loved us enough to say, no, you need a bunch of people around you. You need a family You need brothers and sisters that aren't all exactly like you, that don't think the same way as you, that don't have the same life experiences, the same backgrounds as you, to know more of my character, to know more of who I am, all of us made in the image of God. So God, we give you thanks this morning that we get to be a family together. That's a gift of your grace towards us. God, I'm reminded from Daniel's word to us this morning, out of your word to us, Out of 1 John, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Father, I pray that you would help us as we go out this week to know the love of Jesus in a way that we haven't known in in a long time or maybe as ever, as Daniel said. God, I pray that you'd help us to encourage one another in that. But that as we wake each morning, that what would be one of the first thoughts on our mind is that I am a beloved child of God. May that be what comes to our minds over and over again as we reflect on that. May we recognize that we don't deserve anything that you've given us in Christ, but you have overwhelmed us. You've lavished love. You haven't held back your love. You don't give us snippets of love. You pour it out on us. And so we give you thanks for that. 
And we pray that we would be a church community that would be so saturated with, so overwhelmed by that love that everything else would just fall in line and just overflow in our lives to one another and to the world around us. God, thank you for your patience. We are a stubborn people, a foolish people, an easily distracted people. Thank you for continuing to show us your steadfast love and patience as we sometimes stumble and fumble through life. But we thank you this morning for the gift it's been to gather together as your people to be reminded of and refreshed in your love for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. On that same evening that Jesus was spending with his disciples and washing their feet and calling them to know this love that he has for them, he gave them another picture of his love. And I love that Jesus gives these kinds of pictures to us. We're like little kids, aren't we? We just need some illustrations. And so he washed his disciples' feet, and then he had a meal with them, and he broke bread, and he gave them a cup, and he said, this bread is a picture of my body broken for you, and this cup is the cup of my new covenant, my blood that's going to be shed for you, poured out for you. I'm going to display my love for you again. And so he gave them this meal, and he gave it as a gift to his people, not only his disciples in that room at that point in time, but for all disciples that would follow after that. And so if you're a follower of Christ, that means you, that means me. And so we come forward every week to partake of this meal that Jesus gave to us, another picture, an image of his love for us. As you eat the bread this morning, it's a reminder that Jesus' body was broken for you. As you drink the cup this morning, it's a reminder that Jesus' blood was shed for you. And so I want to invite you this morning as you come just to continue to reflect on the radical nature of Jesus' love for you and that you'd celebrate that this morning as you see your brothers and sisters around you doing the same thing. And if you're not a follower of Christ, as Daniel said, we are so thankful that God brought you to be with us here this morning. I hope you know that it wasn't by accident that you're here. We trust and believe that God is sovereign, that he's providential over every aspect and detail of your life, and that he brought you here this morning so that you might hear of the love that he has for you in Christ. And so if you don't yet know Christ, let me implore you once again, man, take Christ today. Put your faith in Jesus today. And so as other people are coming forward to partake of this meal, we would just ask you just to hang in your seat. And if you're ready to start that relationship with Jesus, that you would tell God that this morning. And then let somebody around you know that so that we can journey with you in that and help you know what it looks like to not only know Christ, but to begin to walk with him in community. For those of you that will come forward, come to the tables at the front. There's two tables in the back as well. Tear off a piece of bread, take a cup to drink, and hear what Christ your Savior has done to show you his love spoken over you this morning. So let me invite the the band back up and those that will serve the tables back to the tables and come forward whenever you're ready. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.